Welcome to the Windy City Bender Podcast with your hosts, Noli, Boatsy, Jero, and Tanner. All right, special guest joining us today. Um, we're sticking with the bees uh, with former Blackhawk player, uh, former Stanley Cup champion in 2013, former CPHL champion. We're going to discuss which one is more uh, native of uh, of Missouri, Brandon Bowling joins the show. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on, man. No problem, fellas. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> We're extremely excited to have you on. Um, so with you, I mean, one of the – I know for me personally, when you first joined the Blackhawks, I saw that you were coming from Missouri, and I was like, oh, God, we got a Blues fan on the Hawks now. What are we going to do with this guy? Uh, <laughs> how was uh, – what was the hockey like in Missouri when you were growing up uh, and kind of comparing it to where it's at now. I mean, obviously the Blues just won the Stanley Cup, so you know uh, yeah. it's kind of booming right now. But what was the the hockey like um, when you were a kid? You know, that's a pretty awesome question. I've done a, a number of these, and nobody's really ever asked that, like the progression of of St. Louis hockey. So yeah, growing up uh, just outside St. Louis, I'm from a town called St. Charles. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I you know the only other way to put it, I guess for hockey when I was growing up was pretty, pretty non-existent. There weren't too many options there. Uh, there were surely no real competitive, like triple a travel type of, of, of options. Actually, I was right at that perfect age when I, I was in middle school, I, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade, whatever it was, uh, when they first opened, like they're, they're pretty much the first triple a, uh, program there in, in Missouri. And, um, you know, I tried out and I'm making it and, and played for that organization for a couple of years. But um, the, back then, there, that was there was one option that was considered AAA. Now, it seems like they have a ton. And I think it was uh, maybe two years ago, whatever the draft was that like Clayton Keller was was a part of. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and Matthew Chuck, who I ended up, you know, meeting and, and getting to know in Calgary a bit. But um there, I, I want to say four of the top 15 picks were all St. Louis kids, and which is pretty awesome to see. Uh, I was undrafted myself, so uh, it's pretty awesome to see how far uh, St. Louis hockey has come. And, and like I said, it went from one AAA program when, when I was right at the perfect age, and then now they have a number of them, and they're competing on the national level. And, and like I said, getting, you know, having multiple – uh, multiple players drafted super high in the NHL uh, from that area is awesome to see. And that's all because at least growing up, like, you know, my infatuation came from obviously the blues um, and just seeing them do well with like, say, you know, back then they had Brett Hall and Brandon Shanahan and Curtis Joseph and those type of guys and Tony twist, who I ended up getting to know later on, who's a, a tough guy, but, um, but anyway, now, yeah, see, obviously seeing them win the Stanley cup and knowing how crazy, the the city was for for that organization and having never done it before and you know having um having the cardinals really be the the bell of the ball there in st louis for for a number of years and now seeing st louis do so well and uh you know they just built a, a beautiful new facility uh their practice facility and a, kind of a community ice rink deal there in st louis that just opened up and so it's pretty awesome to see where it's come and it's come a long way. And like I said, a number of programs that kids, kids, kids have the option to, to try out for now. And it's, it's pretty cool to see. <clears throat> yeah. It seemed like um, a lot of those guys seem to stick around that area too. It sounds like a lot of them stuck around or coaching too. So that definitely, I feel like that's definitely helping the, the development down in that area. You know, there's a ton actually of uh, retired not only hockey players, but retired football guy when the Rams were there, you know, retired Rams players, retired Cardinals, uh, and retired blues players that, that stick around, like you said. And, you know, it's the, the suburbs of St. Louis are, are nice. I wouldn't consider downtown necessarily, uh, a super nice area by any means, but, uh, they, it definitely has, you know, it's got its, its bright spots down there, but the suburbs are nice. The cost of living is, is low. And then, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's Midwestern weather, but yeah, you got some good, some good options as far as uh, sports teams, restaurants, that type of thing. So yeah, it's, you get a lot of guys that, that retire there. And like you said, you know, like Al McKinnis, Keith Kachuk, those type of guys, Brett Hall, all those guys end up retiring there. And then, you know, their kids grow up, they end up playing and, you know, end up making it like, uh, like Kachuk's kid and McKinnis has a kid or two. I think that, that's at the pro level now too. So 
Um, it's pretty cool to see because I remember those guys when I was younger. I remember those kids that were were super young at the time, and uh, obviously knowing their dads and knowing knowing the name was it's pretty cool to see how how they progress and all that. So. <clears throat> Yeah. So with you being a, a St. Louis native, then growing up, did you, you know, hate the Blackhawks as much as Blackhawks fans hate the Blues or, you know, how did that go? Uh, you know, it's pretty wild. I actually, I actually didn't, oddly enough. So all growing, you know, I was a Blues fan growing up, no, no doubt. And then when I, I was in college and after my sophomore year of college, the Hawks, after, after my freshman year, the Hawks uh, invited me to their development camp. Um, and I ultimately did well and they, continued to scout me my that entire next season my sophomore year and ultimately after that season I had you know I guess shown them enough to where they offered me a contract and I took it so for obviously from that point probably from the time they invited me to development camp my my allegiance definitely shifted over to them and, and the blues were kind of uh just a team I used to like I guess but um you know it's pretty it's pretty crazy because growing up I always had we have a pool in our backyard I had this Blackhawks towel that I used all the time i my old man uh does flooring that's what you know he's done flooring my whole life and he'll make you know install floors but he also makes like area rugs and he thought i guess when i was younger i can't even i was so young i don't remember him ever even making it but my entire childhood growing up there was a black there was a indian head a hawks indian head uh carpet like he made it out of carpet all different pieces of carpet pieces them together and made this area rug um, of this Blackhawks Indian head, we still have it actually in our basement, which is funny. But uh, so for, randomly, just because he thought the logo looked cool, and for whatever reason decided to make it, so we had, and then we had a couple other, a uh, couple other things. Like for the longest time, I ended actually because of I was at a Blues game, was a huge Brett Hall fan, and his dad Bobby Hall uh, was there all the time. And when I was a kid. I uh, got to meet him and he signed a little, a little mini hockey stick, but it was a, it was a Blackhawks mini hockey stick and signed it to me and all that stuff. So I had random Hawk stuff in my house growing up. And, and it, it was, it was kind of weird because again, like I was a big blues fan. I, I, you know, I remember watching all kinds of blues games growing up, but then uh, it was kind of funny, you know, once I ultimately signed with the Hawks and then, you know, obviously I ended up playing for them and all that, they, it was just, it was just funny. We still have the beach towel. We still have the area rug and we, I still have that little hockey stick that, that Bobby Hall gave me. So it's pretty, pretty wild to have had all that. And, and surely when I signed, uh, signed with the Blackhawks, I got, I got a lot of crap from my, from my family and friends. And I heard it a million times when we were coming to town and play the blues, it was, you know, I'm not rooting for the Blackhawks, but I'll root for you. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. That's all I can ask for or whatever. But so it was, it was pretty awesome. You know, obviously I actually got to play the blues, my fourth, my fourth ever NHL game. And we got to play in St. Louis. And so I was absolutely fired up for that. I mean, I was fired up because I'd only been in the NHL for like a week at this point, but my whole, you know, like I, I, my first game was at the United center. I was pretty stoked about that. And then we had a few others in between, but I knew, on the schedule was coming up in St. Louis. And I'm like, man, all I want is just to stick around long enough to be able to play in St. Louis. And it'd be so sweet. Ultimately I, I did. And uh, actually Ryan Reeves and I fought first shift, like right off the, right off the bat. I maybe played three seconds of hockey before we actually ended up fighting it. <laughs> it, it, was awesome. <laughs> it, it, it was awesome, man. I had probably 15 buddies there, a bunch of family. And that was, I had to get that fight out of the way so I could uh, focus on actually playing hockey. But man, I was fired up. We had a long, long fight. That was probably one of our better fights. I fought him like, I don't know, six or seven times probably. But that was our, that was probably one of our best. And it was, it was, it was awesome, man. Cause it was back in my hometown, you know, for the very first time, first shift, all my boys were there. It was, it was pretty sweet. Um, so what I got out of that is every blues fan is a closet Hawks fan. That's what you're trying <laughs> to say. Yeah. That's how I there you go. So did exactly. you end up winning that fight against Reeves? I mean, you had I to be. Did, buzzing. Yeah. I, Oh, I was buzzing him and I always <laughs> had pretty awesome fights. We, uh, we matched up pretty well together. That guy to, uh, putting it lightly is a handful, man. Like he is a long, strong dude. Um, along with pretty much everyone else that I fought, unfortunately, but he, uh, yeah, him and I just seemed to, well, we, I mean, you know, being with Hawks and Blues, we, you know, we played each other all the time. There was that pretty awesome rivalry that had, you know, dated back forever, as you guys know. And then, uh, one of the years that, um, I wanted, it was 2014, actually, I think we played them in the first round. So I got to play them in playoffs too, which was pretty, was pretty sweet. So, you know, during the playoffs, you get to spend 
a little more time in whatever city you're, you know, whatever team you're playing, you get to spend a bit more time uh, in that city. So playing them in, in the regular season was awesome, but then getting to do it in the, in the postseason and, and playoffs, which is just a whole new, whole new animal in hockey it was, was super awesome for me. How did, uh, how did your family take, you know, knocking them out of the playoffs on their home ice? Yeah. So my immediate family was all, all my family was, again, stoked for me. My immediate family were, you know, they quickly switched to, to Blackhawks, <laughs> but my extended family, all my, my grandma, my cousins, all that, they're still, still huge Hawks fans. So I think probably my grandma and my parents were the only, my, the only three that were, were stoked about it. And the others, I think were, were kind of choked at us, but it's, it's all good. I, I was perfectly fine pissing them off for, for dancing in the playoffs. I was going to say, man, if your grandma's not on your side, that's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tough yeah. No, my, my parents, my grandma, and maybe my sister, I'm not even sure about that. She'd probably have a different answer than I do. So. <laughs> How did it feel talking uh, about the playoffs? Um, how did it feel first NHL goal being in the playoffs? So that was pretty wild. I saw that. Uh, saw Zach sent me those those questions, and that, that was pretty crazy, man. So I, uh, yeah, if you, if you ever if you ever go look at my stats, it's it's nothing to write home about by any means. But <laughs> so my first my first my call up year, I played. I want to say it was the last eighteen games. So once the once the trade deadline hit. The Hawks actually traded away John Scott. And I remember, like, I still, like, even when they did that, I was, I still had zero idea they were uh, planning to call me up. I, I was, like, pretty stoked. I was expecting, okay, hopefully next year I might have a shot at playing a couple games. Well, no joke, an hour later, I got the call saying I was coming up. And so, anyway, I finished the year, played, played every game the rest of the way there. Um, I had zero points. And then the um, – it was second. So we, we played that year, first round, we played Phoenix and uh, got my first game. I played game one. Awesome. Felt pretty good. No, you know, no points or whatever. But as far as playoff hockey goes, a guy like me is a little more valuable come, come playoff time with, you know, is, you know, playing that type of role and uh, laying the body on guys and, and things like that. So second game, I oddly enough came down and uh, wired a shot from fairly far out. I think it was probably a little bit past the top of the circle. And um, I don't know if there was just a bit of a, you know, a, a screen from the D-man or I'm going to say it wasn't tipped by anyone. So I ended up squeaking <laughs> one. I'm gonna, I ended up squeaking one by Mike Smith. And I was like, actually pretty shocked that that even happened. I was, I was beyond stoked. And so then played the rest of the game. I honestly, I almost had a couple more goals that game. I was absolutely flying after that. So <laughs> yeah. I probably should have focused a little more on that than, than fighting throughout <laughs> my career. But yeah. but no, it was it was the coolest feeling. But the funny thing is, and then I guess to go first, the the funny. So I ended up scoring that goal. That was my first, I guess, playoff or NHL goal and point. But as you guys know, that playoff points and none of that counts. So not playoff games don't really count the same as as regular season it's really really a totally separate you know statute so then the following year is the year 2013 that was during the lockout and then once the lockout ended uh myself Andrew Shaw and Nick Lady Nick Letty came up from from Rockford and stayed the rest of the year and that was the year we won the cup so that Mm -hmm. whole year again zero points fellas I know it's tough to believe (laughs) zero 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 points and then the next year our very first game. So the next year, 2014, I had an unbelievable training camp. I probably had uh, three or four goals during training camp, a couple fights. I was feeling, feeling awesome. Uh, Quindle was loving me. He kind of, you know, let me know I'd be playing more and, and maybe focused a little bit less on fighting and more on actually playing. I was stoked about that. So first game, the banner night, they, they raised the banner, Stanley Cup banner from the year before. They had the cup there. Uh, introduced us all one by one. I had all my family there. Wild, wild, wild just experience, not only to win the cup and then, you know, get your ring and all that stuff, but then to see the banner go up and, you know, you're obviously, your name's tied to that forever. Uh, so again, come out, boys are fired up. I'm fired up. Very first shift, I score. And that's my first official, I guess, NHL uh, point and, and goal and I went berserk it's by far the hardest I've ever sallied on a goal um, I I really not that I had too many chances to do it but I really didn't ever celebrate all that crazy you know I I, I loved it because I didn't get to do it much I loved scoring when it when it did happen but 
this time something came over me and I, I went, I went nuts. I, I think I like scooped the ice. I slammed <laughs> into the glass. I was so fired up. Uh, but it was so awesome. So for, I, for like maybe like 10 minutes, I'm pretty sure I was leading the league in goals. So um, I, was, I was pretty, and then Kaner scored like not too far after. So I was like, oh, all right, I, that was goes. But I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it for 10 minutes. I was the league's leading goal scorer. So. Well, I don't, going back really quick to your playoff goal, I don't know if you've actually seen the broadcast from it, but we actually watched uh, it the other day. Oh my God! Yeah. Pat Foley is the most surprised person in the entire building. God <laughs> bless gonna, his soul. I, I was gonna say that he li- he actually is. So like, yeah, again, I was it was kind of a nothing play. I was pretty far out and threw one on net and snuck it in. He was like in the middle of talking about something, and I'm pretty sure he debated not even acknowledging the goal and continuing, <laughs> con- continuing his conversation. But I'm but I'm pumped that he did. But no, yeah, you're you're totally right. He was it was. He was just as surprised as I was. <laughs> That's hysterical. <clears throat> that is hysterical. And I was actually at the game uh, against Washington when you scored. And oh, I was cool. there with a couple of buddies. We were in the standing room. And we all placed bets on who's going to get the first goal of the game. And you scored. And we were all like, who? What the yeah. fuck? Who would have thought? <laughs> hey, nobody, what is going no, on? That was, that was, that was uh, the, the long odds on that one. Nobody, <laughs> nobody took me. should have taken me as a flyer. But actually, the crazy thing was, I'll never forget this. Uh, before the game, like in the, in the room, like we're all, we're all obviously very excited and, um, we're all in the room and some of the boys were talking about, I don't know, somebody's like, I think so-and-so's got the first goal. So somebody, they're saying out names and Brandon Saad sits, and he's sitting across the room from me and he, for whatever reason said some of I, I boys got it. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, you're probably wrong, but I'll, I'll take it. At least, at least I get the vote of confidence out of you. And then, no joke, first shift, like 20 seconds into my shift, I scored. And I, after, when I got back to the back, I'm like, man, I think right. I, you get an assist on that. You weren't even on the ice. That's so it's, it's definitely just being under the pressure of, of Saad, just pushing you towards it. For sure, for sure. That's hysterical. It was cool, though. Yeah, it was awesome. You've mentioned uh, Quenville a couple of different times. Uh, what was it like playing underneath somebody who's as revered as, as Joel Quenville is? You know, I, lo- I honestly loved everything about playing for, playing for Q. Um, I grew up and I remember him being with the Blues. Um, I think he was the assistant coach there um, mm-hmm. for a while. And then I believe became the, the – whatever his career was with the Blues, I remembered him for sure. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, coming – uh, I had si- I signed with the Hawks like after my sophomore year in 2010, and then th- and then they actually won it that year the the first time or not but the first time in however many years, um, and so it was pretty cool to obviously I wasn't up with the team I had finished my my season with with Rockford uh, and then went back to college and finished all that so it was cool to be a part of it to see them do it and then the next year having the cup at training camp and that type of thing my first professional season but Q was always so awesome to me he absolutely like I guess uh just he loved the way I played and I I think he could tell that um he you know he was one of the one of the first coaches well surely one of my first coaches professionally that um that had the confidence in me to to do a little bit more than just just fight people um and he made that pretty pretty clear but when I was first called up uh that's really I was trying to make my mark one way and one way only and I was trying to fight everyone I could and he loved it man he was he was so stoked about it he was an awesome awesome guy to me you know I'm I, all the boys loved him to my knowledge I don't know of anyone that disliked the guy he was not only and he's a he's a guy that you don't find this too often he's a guy that played I think over 600 NHL games and then has coached however many a, a million I think but he uh <laughs> So he knows both sides of it. And that's the type of guy that can relate to all the, you know, he's can relate as a player's coach and, and can relate to the guys, but then also obviously is stern and does what needs to be done and says what needs to be said. So a guy like that, I, I learned a lot from, I grew a lot as a, as a player and a person like playing under somebody like that. And he also, it wasn't only him. He had two, we had two amazing assistants in uh, Mike Kitchen and Jamie Compon and then, and just those guys both, again, had a, had a lot of experience in the NHL, both as players and coaches. And uh, we had a great, a great group of coaches and staff uh, with the Hawks my, you know, my time here. And 
uh, man, I was, I was just super lucky. I couldn't say enough good stuff about, about, about Quinville and the rest of the staff. And I'm super lucky to, to, uh, to have been a part of that. And, and still, when I see Joel randomly, it, it's, you know, it's still the same, still the same vibe. He's super, super, super awesome to me and very welcoming and, uh, and very personal. So he's not only did he know what he was talking about, he was, he was also an entertaining guy and, uh, and, the, and everyone seemed to get along with him pretty well. Definitely. Um, so yeah, you talked about how, you know, you're coming up and you know, your mindset is to make your name out there. You got to fight. Um, you mentioned your fights with, uh, Reeves being like absolutely epic for you. Um, yeah. was there, was there another, like another guy out there that you, you know, you kind of saw as like this big time rival for you? You know, he would, he would probably be the one that I considered, uh, a rival, but there was other guys, you know, that, um, I, I fought Kyle Clifford a couple times on LA. I think he's dialed it back now. He, he realized he had more to offer than, than doing that. So he's, you know, a bit more of a, a player than I probably, probably ever was, but somebody like, uh, Brian McGrath, for instance, I only fought him once, but I was actually, I was equally scared and excited about that fight <laughs> just because of him being him and, and know, and knowing the type of fights he, he had, was in before and, and what he had done in the league for so long. I out, actually ended up playing with him for a couple of years in Calgary, unbelievable guy. So that was pretty sweet. And somebody, uh, if you guys remember Patrick Bordalo, who was on Colorado for a couple of years, he, uh, I fought him a few times in the minors and then um, I'm not sure if we ever did in the NHL. I think we did once or twice actually. And, uh, he was another tough guy and somebody like Luke Gazdick, for instance, I fought a few times in the minors, um, and maybe once or twice in the NHL. I don't think we ever locked up in the, in the NHL, but, um, but some guys like that, you, you, you find in the minors, you find a lot more mm, mutants down there in the minors <laughs> and, and guys that will literally just knock your block off and, and not think twice about it. And then, you know, when you get to the NHL, the guys that the fighters that make it to the NHL are ones that, especially nowadays that have figured out how to add a little bit more to their game. So um, I would say Reeves would be the, you know, the one that I fought the most. And if, if I had to pick a rival, I suppose that would be him. But, you know, I had, it was, it was just pretty wild to, you know, for, for me, just, I kind of got into fighting and hockey, like randomly. I was at a tryout when I was in high school for a junior B team. And this was my, first ever fight literally had zero experience and uh I was bigger and uh one of the guys that was also trying out for the team had been in this junior B league and was a fighter and well known I guess at that level so honestly I was like all right let's see how this goes I fought him did very well like shot myself beat him up he actually wanted to fight me again I beat him up again <laughs> in that same in that exact same exact same tryout and then so I was and then probably a week later so after that, I'm like, all right, I guess we might have some here. And then a week later, I tried out for there were two there were two junior B teams in the St. Louis area at the time. The one I had already tried out for, and then there was a better one that was actually we all they won like four cha national championships in a row. I was on the team for a year. We won the national championship that year. But I tried out for that team as well. Like a week later, and their fighter, I think people had maybe heard. I have no idea. Their fighter was there again and uh had something to say so i'm like all right let's do it one punch knockout broke his nose like busted <laughs> him up and i and i'm telling you like no joke like one punch right in the middle of his face just dropped him and he literally i'll never forget because i became buddies with him we played together that that year and became buddies with him he looked up to me and he was like and, and said holy shit and i was like dude i have no idea i have no idea what i have no idea what happened like so I, I quickly realized that, that this was something I could do. And, and ultimately, I wouldn't suggest it by any means, people doing it now. Even when I was playing, guys would, you know, guys that probably had no business fighting would ask me if that I would work with them after practice. And I would every time, but always um, with the intent to just teach them how to protect themselves. I'm like, man, it takes a special breed to to go out there and do that to to go out there and fight guys on on fucking hard sorry i don't know for a lot of customers oh, hard, yeah, ice, yeah. <laughs> hard hard ice you're on skates anything can and happen in a hockey fight you know and, and you can get badly hurt at any time i was fortunate enough to not you know have that not happen to me but um you know they're, they're just risking a lot and so i always would suggest 
if that's not your bag, if that's not, if it doesn't come naturally and you're not uh, just naturally tough and, and know how to handle yourself and, and also probably more importantly, know how to take a punch, I would surely not suggest it. But for whatever reason, I think always just growing up, I always had that uh, just aggressive kind of mentality and demeanor, you know, in, in wrestling around with my dad, my buddies, whatever, whatever it may be. But um, so I think that that suited me well. And ultimately, you know, no, no joke. That was really the reason I made the NHL was, was do, I really probably even made the professional level and then ultimately made it to the NHL. Cause I, I was able to provide that while being able to get around the ice, throw my weight around, you know, the odd goal here and there. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was really what got me there. Uh, and ultimately I think was, was what had me stick in the NHL for the years that I did. Um, was... probably could have used your, uh, your advice there in the playoffs. <laughs> I think. Who, who's that? Svechnikov out in Carolina. Oh, when he got yeah. one punch yeah. by Obi. See, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I, that when guys don't have it and they just want to do it just to, just to show, to prove something or just to add that to their game. It's, I would not suggest that you can get you can get hurt just like that. Like that can he might he might still be feeling. It. I'm not sure he's able to brush yeah. his hair yet. <laughs> was there so was there anybody that you you didn't fight that you really wanted to? Not maybe because you like you know out of like hate, but kind of like to kind of be like, oh shit, man, I actually went toe to toe with this guy. Um, you know, I I nobody comes to mind, and as far as like um, I. As far as my, my my mentality now has entirely changed, I think since I started dating my wife and, and ultimately got married, I became super soft. But um, <laughs> before I was I was like I will not say no ever. I will fight anybody that I can, and I do not care who it is. If it's somebody that I think is way tougher than me, then you know maybe I'll fight a little more defensively. But it was I'm going to try to fight anybody, and so to start it was it was literally you know it was anyone and like for Mike Rupp who I fought and uh I'm just trying to think of a couple other bigger guys luckily for me you know there were guys that were out of the league I think I played against Colton Orr one time super super tough individual that I never I never fought him luckily for me uh guys like that that were um at the end of their careers or had just kind of retired um, fortunately I missed guys like low rock and, and those type of guys. Cause you know, the game, when I was there, it, it had since changed even more about when I was in the league had, you know, had changed drastically as far as fighting goes from, from five, 10 years prior. So it continues to evolve. I know that's a pretty common, common thing and common, common topic among, you know, people in the hockey world. But, um, you know, I think I got in, in a, in a, in a good time to where, you know, there was still a good amount of fighting, but, you know, most of the guys that were there doing it still were had skill and were able to play, and they weren't necessarily the guys sitting there on the bench for 58 out of the 60 minutes, and they get two minutes of playing time, and their only job is to go, you know, to go fight the other heavyweight. So, I, you know, luckily I was in the time where the fighting was still very valuable, but more so from a perspective of, you know, protecting your teammates, shifting momentum, that type of thing. Uh, which is, like I said, ultimately why I stuck around and why, you know, you gain that respect from your teammates that, that I think I still have because still when I see them, you know, those type of guys, when I see Hawks guys around town or at events that we go to or whatever, it's, uh, you know, it's still the exact same relationship. You can tell that there's, uh, you know, there's that level of respect just for, you know, being willing to protect, you know, protect them, put your body on the line for, for somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you were right in that middle period where the fighters were starting to be able to play the game as well. Um, absolutely. But um, a lot of the fighters are known to be huge locker room guys. Like that's another reason that they they're able to stick around the big club. I mean, what were you like in the locker room, and what was the locker room like with in the in the Hawks dressing room with like Taze and Kane, and obviously you had Shaw along your side. I'm sure you guys had. A- yeah. So I was I was lucky enough to come up with Shazi. We actually played. That's a guy that uh his story is pretty wild that guy was playing juniors and was just a a couple weeks I think away from quitting hockey altogether and and you know going to work in you know probably manual labor somewhere in the home in his hometown and then the Hawks took him drafted him late and he you know gave it a shot he came in his first year pro he was on a, a an AHL deal a minor league contract 
um, which isn't all that common, especially for for draft picks and, and players that ultimately end up playing in the NHL. It's, it's not that common. And so he was on an AHL deal, and he came in fought, fighting, scoring, doing the exact same stuff he does now, and uh, ultimately earned his earned a contract with the Hawks. He got called up and has and never been back. So I was, you know, I came up with a guy like that. So, you know, myself, Jimmy Hayes, Shaw, Nick Liddy, Brent, uh, Brandon Sy, when he came out of, uh, came out of juniors, we were all kind of ended up with, you know, we were with Rockford and kind of called up around the same time on the Hawks. So it was cool that we had a group that like that, that we really knew each other pretty well and, and had that bond. But then you get in the room and you see, like you said, you got a Taves and a Kane who, even though they're both younger than me, they've obviously been in the league for, for years and have been doing what they've been doing at such a high level for so long. And uh, so you get in there, you see guys like that. And I know one of you guys is a big host of fans. So you see Hosa and, and Dunk and Seabrook and all those, the, all those guys that you're just like, what in the hell am I doing here with these dudes? Like, do I, like, do I belong here with these dudes? Like, can I get you some water, a banana, anything? I know, I know, hey, get you a towel or anything like that. Like, can I help you out? Anyway, it's, it was just crazy because one, not only do you obviously know them from from a hockey standpoint, from a player standpoint, you respect the hell out of like the, what they bring to the game of hockey and and their skill level because you really don't get to respect what how skilled and 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 how hard they work until you like see them in practice i tell people all the time like for instance somebody like Kaner, you obviously super skilled guy when you see him play in, in games but you really don't you really don't get a feel a true feel for it until you see him in practice embarrassing all of us and working his absolute bag off and just doing everything and there's a reason you quickly find out i tell you know i tell people all the time i i just luckily kind of went into it with the mindset of acting like a, like a sponge and just trying to soak up everything I could from these guys. Cause you see the, the people I just mentioned, you know, Taves, Kane, Hosa, Keith, Seabrook, those type of guys, Crawford, even in that, like you see these guys and, and again, not only see their skill level, but, but how hard they work it. And you quickly realize, okay, that's exactly why they made it mm-hmm. to this level. And that's exactly why they are as good as they are not just because that because you see plenty of guys with natural skill and natural talent that that don't make it or you know they're just they have a cup of coffee in the nhl and they're done or whatever it is but these guys are not only at the top of their game winning championships making a a fair amount of money and just but they're working their working their tail off and, and really earning it that's like the coolest part and uh that's that's when you really respect uh you know come to respect guys like that and uh, when you see they, they, they earned it, they weren't, maybe they were given, given a few, you know, some leeway as far as, uh, just being drafted a certain, you know, a certain number, whatever it may be, but they, they earned it, man. And they, there's a reason that they've stuck around and, and those type of guys have had, you know, su- sustained success at, at that level because it's, and I was very fortunate to play with so many guys on the Hawks and then, all, you know, and then the, the other, the other organizations I played for, there was a, you know, guys like that on Calgary and then uh, San Jose and Nashville, a few other organizations I play for. And it's, it's awesome as, you know, somebody like me who literally had to fight for everything I was ever given um, to see guys like that, that, that aren't just kind of, aren't just coasting once they already made it to the NHL, you see them continually working on their craft and continually improving, you know, themselves uh, within the game. And, uh, and it does a lot and it does a lot for a younger guy to see that. And ultimately that's, that you know those that's a huge reason that um that the hawks were so successful for those few years and and you know it looks like they'll they'll get back to that level soon i hope so it it's it's no wonder once you're in there it's it 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 makes total sense why they won you know three three cups in whatever five or six year span whatever it was and continue to you know, to be one of the most sought after organizations in the league, the, the, the United Center is full all the time. The, the buzz around this city still and probably always for the Hawks is, uh, is pretty awesome to see. And even going to I do some youth hockey stuff for them during the winter and I do events and signings and type of, that type of stuff for them. And uh, there's still so many people that are so pumped to even see me, let alone like the, the current players and, and all that. So you can tell that uh, there's that huge level of respect in the city among, you know, among the Hawks. And, and like I said, you quickly realize why, because of 
because of the hard work that that the players, the staff, the management, all the, that that all those people put into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once they won that first cup, it was just that was it. It was their city to take yeah. over, and it was a fun ride absolutely. watching them. And yeah, we're excited for the season coming up. Um, do you got any good after that cup win? Any good good stories that come to mind? Uh, like about certain guy or just the team together? Just it had to be a crazy will- time coming from Boston. It was absolutely not. So, yeah, the, the coolest part, you know, short of the parade, the parade is, is very cool. No, without, you know, to put it lightly, it's just an unbelievable experience. And, but the coolest thing was, well, not the coolest, because, you know, you get, to, you get to lift the cup. It comes, you know, comes time. And I was a younger guy, new to the league. So I was at, towards the end of the line. And, but doesn't does not matter. Once you see that cup being skated around the rink and, and hoisted above guys' heads. And whether it was their first or second or their fifth, you know what I'm saying? The guys were equally as excited. And it's such – just because it takes so much work from all of the boys and all the staff. And uh, it just takes a collective effort to, to win that. And playing four rounds of best-of-seven hockey when guys are trying to kill you every second of the game, it, it's it's – it's crazy. That's why I always say playoff hockey is just on a whole, a whole another level from, from, from regular season. So when you finally get to do that, we all get to hoist the cup and skate around and we enjoy it. We take our photos with our family. And then finally we get, we bring it into the locker room and it's just the players, the coaches and the management and, and, you know, obviously the, the equipment staff the medical staff, that type of thing. So only people involved with the team. And that was something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. You walk in and there's, you know, obviously, you know, buckets and, and troughs full of, of champagne and beer and whatever, whatever you want, but you walk in and, and just everyone is so elated. Everyone's so absolutely stoked. And the coolest thing that to me was that once you're in there, everyone is on the exact same level. Nobody was GM or fourth liner or first liner or head coach. Everyone was the exact same level. And you know, they luckily the Hawks made us all this really, really cool book, uh, the 17 seconds book. They might even sell it. I have no idea. But I have the, we have this awesome book that they gave to all of us in all the and all the photos of it. And they have photos of every every single stage of of the of winning the cup and, you know, during playoffs and then the party after and then the parade and all that stuff. But there's a there's an awesome photo in there of Stan Bowman, the GM, I think he's drinking out of the cup at the time. So somebody's kind of holding it for me. And I'm kind of standing above him on a bench with, I think, Kaner and Shaw. And I think one other guy and I'm dumping a beer like on his head. And he's <laughs> loving it. He is loving it. And, he, and that's what I think that as soon as like, and guys are spraying champagne on like the president, John McDonough or Quinville or whatever it is. And like, everyone is so, so damn happy and, and just loving it. and you know, although it's, it's, it's super cool to experience all this with your, with your family, there weren't, once you, once you win it, there's, there's, there weren't too many times where you're kind of alone with the boys and the cops. So there was only very few times that that happened after, and this was one of them. Uh, and so we were all in there just having a time and then, you know, doing the things, having a cigar, whatever it was, just celebrating as however you saw fit. And then, um, that was a, you know, that was a very memorable experience. And then after that, you hop on the plane, you, we fly back. And, and what's also cool, like you get on the plane and it's the exact same thing. You know, everyone's happy, <laughs> boo- boozing, drinking out of the cup, spraying, spraying champagne all over the plane. I'm sure the flight attendants love that, but it was, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I, oddly enough, the, the cup's getting passed around. And so guys are, uh, not the sewer, whatever airline it was, but you know, we're not, we're not abiding by the regulations of a, of a typical flight. No, right. Guys aren't sitting down, guys aren't buckled up and with their, oh, with their oxygen buckled. mask above their head. Yeah. 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 Very buckled. buckled up. So I mean, the cup getting passed around and I happened to be sitting, you know, towards the back talking to one of the fellas and the, whoever had it just happened to sit it in my lap and then instantly the plane took off. So I was literally in my seat, holding and hugging the Stanley cup as the plane takes off the ground. I was like, this is badass. I have no idea <laughs> shit. how this, how this happened, but I will take it. So, you know, we're obviously having a blast and, and doing our thing. And then we land. And again, I'll never forget. Like we land in Chicago and you see it kind of as we're coming in, but we land and there is like 
fire, fire trucks, police trucks, uh, maybe uh, whatever else, ambulance, whatever it was. But the fire trucks were spraying like in an arch, like, so they were spraying towards each other, but in an arch and we landed the plane under this arch of, of like fire, you know, the fire hose water, whatever the hell it is. But they, they're spraying this arch. So we land and on the runway in the middle of the cop cars, police cars, our uh, firemen, fire trucks, all that stuff. So that was absolutely insane. And then once the plane stops, there's hundreds of people on the tarmac. I have no idea where these people came from or who they were, or why the hell are they standing on this, on this tarmac as a giant plane is pulling up. But so then you, you know, we get off the plane, they go insane. We end up taking it to Harry Carey's right there by the airport. And then we, end, and then finally we hop on a bus and bring it downtown um, and ended up, you know, doing a, a couple, I think we went to one bar that night to scout. The, the guys that own it are, are good buddies with a bunch of the Hawks guys. Um, and so they brought it there and they left it. You know, they said, whenever we will keep this open. It, we, I think we got there at like maybe 6 a.m. Like we, you know, we obviously played, played in Boston and then just continued. And uh, so we got, and they, they told us, they're like, hey, you know, it's all on us. Uh, we'll, we'll leave this open for however long. Like it wasn't open to the public. There were, there were helicopters, like news helicopters, following our bus around and seeing where we were going. It was just all such a cool experience. And luckily, um, I mean, this speaks to just how great the Hawks organization is. They they chartered all of our families out to Boston. They flew a private plane for all the families and took them out to Boston so they could all experience this with us. And uh, they come running on the ice. They you know after we hoist the cup and they get to experience that part. And then. You know, obviously after going going to Harry Carey's and then, and then that the scout afterwards and just enjoying it, it was all the fellas and the families and and uh, just a wild experience. And then you know after that, you really like I said, you really don't get any other um, alone time with with just the cup and, and the players because you know after that you're we're, you're just doing community events and taking it all over. And then you got the parade, which a couple million people are there, you know. And um, so the entire experience is is one that I'll never forget and all those little one all those little experiences that go along with it even getting to take for instance getting to take the cup to like um I think at the time it was U.S. Cellular where the Sox play and then we got to take it to Wrigley so you know I got to do throw the first pitch at both of those places and I I don't know why they did this but they let me sing the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley (laughs) Uh, so you just get to you get to do cool shit like that and it's just like man this is absolutely insane just some undrafted kid from from middle of nowhere kind of Missouri that ended up on the Hawks team and now you know with with zero points right and then I get to, <laughs> I, get to, I get to tag along with all these you know with all this stuff and and like I said it, it didn't change everyone is on the exact same level everyone feels just they feels like they contributed just as much and and everyone is like I said just equally as excited for each other and it's just such a, a cool bonding experience that you know you, you kind of hope that everyone you don't hope that everyone gets to experience it otherwise it wouldn't be as special as it is but you, you do because it's such an awesome awesome life experience definitely it's yeah it's it's funny every year i it's like i can't believe it but at the same time i can on how hard the champion teams go after they win after like all the playoffs that they played the hardest hockey of their life and it's like yeah game six game seven and you guys are leaving your bodies on the line and then afterwards it's like i'll go for another 24 hours drinking it's now fine. It's, and now it's giddy up yeah now it's uh <laughs> yeah now it's you, you switch into a different mode but yeah it, it like I, like you just said it's 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 a whole new ball game physically to play in the postseason and to play for that long uh, and then, you know, and then to, to party after once you, cause that's why, you know, to lose, to go all that way and lose must just be, you know, the toughest thing ever because you sacrifice. So not only your body, but like your time and uh, your emotions, you're obviously extremely invested in this. And, and so to come all the way to lose would, would be a, a bummer for sure. But man, was it, was it awesome to, to be on the winning end of that and, uh, and all the, you know, all the really cool experiences that have, have come from it. That's incredible. That was probably one of the better descriptions I think I've ever heard of what it feels like to win a Stanley Cup, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I appreciate um, that. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being on the show. I have one final question for you. Uh, sure. And it was the first one that we thought of. Uh, when we knew we were going to get you on the show. Um, 
the uh, the stick handling video with Patrick uh, with Patrick Kane. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, was he nervous after he saw yours? <laughs> so the the whole <laughs> the whole thing about this was was so funny because honestly, anytime fans or you know even form other players that I played against, like after I did that video, I had so many guys come up to me at faceoffs the rest of that year that would be like. Hey, dude, that video was so funny. And I'm like laughing. Like, I'm gonna try to kill. I'm gonna try to kill you here in five seconds. But all right, I appreciate it. <laughs> but but, but it was just so funny because so Kaner does that. I'm, I, he did it for Bauer. It was like a Bauer promo video. So he does it. We all see it. It came out. And we all we all see it, and we're like, what? I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, dude, they had to have sped this up. I'm like, did they? And he's like, honestly. I kind of thought the same thing, but they told me they did not speed this up. He's like, I don't think it's sped up. He's like, they could have been lying, but I don't think it was. I'm like, well, that's a little, that's a little fucked. Like, I don't think I've ever seen like <laughs> all the people that try to do these videos, man. And, and like, I bet, I honestly bet you there weren't too many mess ups that he did. Like, I bet it didn't take him that long, but so he does this video and we're all like, Oh my God. All right. That's pretty wild. So I said something to our PR staff. I think the day I saw it or maybe the next day, whatever it was, I'm like, Hey, like, and I don't even know why I thought of this, but it was my idea. I was like, Hey, would you guys ever be interested in doing like a, a spoof of that? Like, I, that'd be kind of funny. No. And I was actually thinking they'd be like, all right, beat it, buddy. Like, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to see you stick handling. And so they, I said that and they're like, Oh, let, you know, let's think about it. And uh, we'll get back to you. I'm like, all right, that's, so that's a no. And then so the next no. day or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Appreciate your time. <laughs> but so maybe a day or two later, they come back jacked up. Like they were like, hey, are you still want to do that video? Let's do it. That'd be so funny. Can you come to the rink today after? I think we actually were in training camp. Um, They're like, can you come to the rink today and, and do it? I'm like, well, all right. So something changed here. Somebody told you that, that we got to get this done. So I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So we go there and we were we were all just kind of thinking of, of funny ideas on how to how to spoof this thing and uh so we just kind of started you know as you see we just kind of started and um you know I I wasn't necessarily uh people always ask like were you trying to be that terrible like yeah to an extent for sure like obviously, <laughs> I, wanted, obviously I am not on the same level as as he was and and stick handling through these pucks but you know that maybe the first stage like with like four or five pucks out there I can you know, I can muck around in between there and, and do all right. But once it gets going, I'm like, all right, I, I do want this to be hilarious. So even like that, at one point I like fall and then they were come, they were asking, they were asking, you know, different ideas. And we just ended up doing like the, uh, I don't, uh, the slide was my idea, like sliding through all of them. I think, I think one of them came up with the, uh, the snow angel one that, that we did. And, and so we were just all kind of collectively, and uh, coming up with this, this what we we're going to do. And they took a couple of shots. And then at the end, you know, he, I forget what he does. I think he picks the puck up on his stick and throws it at the, at the camera to finish the video. And, and where I was, I think I was like, Hey, like, what about, you know, obviously I, I like fight. How about I, we, and I end up somehow in the stands and I'm like, either, I either punch the camera or whatever. <laughs> I do something to like wrestle it down and they're like, Oh, that'd be awesome. So then we, you know, it was a, a collaborative effort for sure. And man, we got done. And, and I want to say they edited that thing either that day or the next day. And no joke. I just remember seeing it all over. Like, again, we were still in training camp. So it was all over like TSN and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, what in the hell? Like, this is like a, my, my first like viral type of thing. And I was like, what is going on here? And I'm not kidding you, man. Like it seemed like every game, somebody was another player was mentioning the video. And every time I met a fan, they talked about it and still people talk about it. So I'm like super stoked that, that I even asked to do it or even had the idea that, like I said, I, I never thought that, you know, that would even come to fruition, but um, it was just pretty, pretty cool to do it. And still, like I said, people, people will tweet me like gifts from it. And like people were asking me the other day about it. And so anytime I respond to it, it's like uh, people just get so stoked. So that was, uh, that was one that we're, I was pretty excited how it turned out. It was hilarious how how fast that thing came out because I remember thinking like, wow, that Kane video is hysterical. And like, I felt like it was ten minutes later. I was like, 
fuck is Brandon Bullock man. doing this video? Like, <laughs> what's going on? It, it uh, was, it was, it was quick. But yeah, like I said, they like, like I said, they were like right away. Were like, ah, I don't know about that. And then something changed, and they were like, let's get this thing done. So yeah, it was, definitely, it was go time. It was awesome. Sounds like they definitely pitched it as their idea to somebody higher up, and they're like, yeah, oh, no question, <laughs> no question. So, somebody, somebody's collecting royalties off my yeah. idea. <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, like I said, yeah, I appreciate we, you. We had a good time. I appreciate you for being on so long. Uh, what are you doing nowadays? Anything, uh, anything planned? Yeah, so the wife and I actually here any day now. We've been working on uh, working on setting up a new business for ourselves. It's like a it's a kind of health and fitness business, and you know, to launch where our website's like we got a meeting tomorrow, and I'm pretty sure it's it's kind of go time after that. But we're about to launch here any day. But we're it's uh, like I said, it's like a fitness platform. We we had some some low impact like resistance band stuff uh, developed to be um, in this like kit that you can take anywhere in the world. It's basically like the traveling kind of on the go person that, that, uh, you know, not, doesn't necessarily have three hours to go spend at a gym or even has a gym membership. We kind of, uh, manufacture these, these products to put in one kit that can be taken anywhere in the world and get, get a, a, a full body workout. Cause I, you know, I was a little skeptical at first when we had the idea, but you know, my wife's uh, a person, you know, a certified trainer. So she came up with, uh, came up with these programs that people can purchase along with these, these products and, and take them anywhere. And we, I've been doing them and it's, it's awesome, man. Like I'm a, I'm a full believer. I'd be on an infomercial for us if we, if we had one, but it's pretty cool to, to do this with, you know, not only to, to start a business, but to do it with, to do it with my wife and, and have that, uh, have those experiences and, and kind of strengthen that, you know, that bond you have with, with marriage and, and kind of starting something like that. We're both, I've become more and more passionate about. She was, uh, she was a division one athlete. She played, played soccer in, at university of New Mexico and in, in, in college and, uh, has still, you know, I'm definitely the, the second most athletic person in the household. So, you know, see it, seeing her kind of come up with this and, and having this dream. And then, you know, once I retired kind of jumping on board, we're, we're super excited about it. It's called, it's called Dana Eve, D-A-N-N-A-H-E-V-E is, is the website. And, uh, we're, we're really, really excited about it. It's going to be launching in the next few days. And then down the line, like I mentioned, we're, you know, we're looking to maybe add, add a podcast and, uh, we're, we're looking to maybe do some apparel. We've been in some talks to, to do some athleisure, like Lululemon type of, of material apparel. And damn, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah, throw that. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely throw the website out there too, for, uh, for everybody listening into, uh, to start to yeah. check out for sure. Yeah. For appreciate sure. That. Well, That'd be awesome. Yeah, I thank you so much for for coming on. Like I said, it's been uh, it's been a long a long interview, so I appreciate you staying on for so long. But uh, this was a great time. I I really appreciate it. All right, I'm glad you guys enjoyed. I I had fun too. Yeah. I feel like we, uh, awesome. we could have doubled the time, so we'd love to have you on and keep this going. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I probably yeah, I was a little long winded there, but yeah, we can do it again sometime. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. We uh, we wish you all the best moving forward. All right, thanks. Same to you guys. Thank you. Follow the boys on Twitter at WCB Podcast, on Instagram at WCB Podcast, and like them on Facebook, the Windy City Benders Podcast.